0: You are listening to the Teaching Ministries of Southwest Church located at 150 Remick Boulevard beside the Kaufman YMCA in Springboro, Ohio. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Join us for one of our four Easter worship gatherings. Saturday, April 11th at 4.30 p.m. Sunday, April 12th at 8.30 a.m. 10 a.m. and 1130 a.m. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from senior minister Roger Hendricks. I want to welcome you to Southwest Church and our very first ever live streaming worship service. And we are thrilled that you have joined us as we worship together on this virtual platform. Obviously, all of our lives have drastically been impacted by COVID-19 and the social distancing practices are now in place, yet we are grateful for the technology that is available for us to yet experience worship together this morning. By the way, this technology to livestream was just installed here at Southwest this past week. And we want to thank all of you who have given generously in the past, especially to our year-end special offering, which enabled us to purchase this equipment so that we could live stream this weekend and the weeks to come. We ask those of you who consider Southwest your church home to continue to remain connected with each other. For those of you who are searching for a church home, we welcome you. And we're thrilled you're here with us during this live stream. We wanna encourage you, if you have a prayer request, you can go to our website, that's southwestchurch.org. There's a link that you can let us know how we can pray for you, how we can come alongside and help you. Likewise, on the website, there's a link to give financially so that we can continually meet the needs of people within the church but also throughout the community. With that said, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll continue with some time of worship and song. And I know it's a little bit different, but I want to urge you to sing along wherever you're at and to enjoy this time of worship to God with others. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are a great God, We thank you, Father, that you are not limited as we are limited, and we thank you, God, that you have provided us a means through this technology to be able to worship together. I pray, Father, that you will bless this time. I pray that you will be at work through the musicians who play, the singers who sing. I pray that you'll give me the words to share, so that your message of hope can ring out clear and loud and and speak to every heart that's tuning in. And so just help us, Father, to be drawn to you. We pray for your Son to be lifted up, and we pray, Father, for your Spirit to be worked powerfully through this live streaming. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed that time of worship and song as much as I did. Although I was a bit concerned with only a handful of people in this room. Yes, we're staying under the 10 recommended people in the room as we count the musicians, the singers, the tech people in the back. And yet I was concerned as we were singing those songs that my voice would possibly uh, come through the recording. So I went to the very back of the room and, and sang out so I could enjoy that time of worship with all of you. Another concern is that I have is that, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an individual that, uh, that likes to, to teach to people and likes to share uh, with people. And so I really feed off of a crowd. And so I was concerned, how am I going to do to uh, speak to an empty room? Because that's a challenge for me. So what I did was I printed out some faces of people that said they were going to be listening online. And we've got those taped to chairs throughout the room. So that just to remind me that I'm not talking uh, to an empty room, but I'm talking to people that are watching this this live stream on the other side. The other thing I'm concerned about is that from time to time, I like to share a joke or something that's humorous that maybe could be uh, encouraging to people. But I, I thought, you know, it might be a little weird if you share a joke and there's no laughter. So just to help with that, uh, I've just downloaded this and and maybe let's see if I can get it to work, the technology here. I have a laugh track, okay? But, but see, this shows why I can't even do that, okay? So, um, well, just imagine laughter, okay? It worked in the practice. Uh, That's why I'm up here and not behind the computers running the tech, because I would mess up. But let's acknowledge that this, this is a strange time. It's a strange time for us as a people, for us as a country, for us in the world. We have empty school buildings, people working at home, Restaurants closed, gyms and facilities like the YMCA next door closed. The NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA all on hold till further notice. And that's not even mentioning my favorite, March Madness, which isn't going to happen at all this year. Wow, strange times. Which meant that it's difficult for me as I prepared for this morning it's difficult to determine what's, what's the best thing for me to share with you. We're in the midst of a message series leading up to Easter entitled, Following Jesus. And yet, we're going to kind of take a break or kind of a detour from that planned message series to just bring a message that we hope will speak to you wherever you're at, and we're going to do that through revisiting a very fundamental teaching of Jesus. It's a teaching that we read in the very first gospel recorded in the Bible, the uh, the gospel of Matthew. It's the first listed anyway. And as we listen to Jesus as he says some very profound things, he said those to his original audience, but they're very profound to us today. Let's listen in as. Beginning in Matthew 11, verse 25, we read these words. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to come to him and to learn from him. And specifically, we want to focus this morning on what it means to be learning from Jesus as we seek to follow Jesus. And specifically, what does it mean to be learning from Jesus during this weird and yet historic time in our lives. How do we make sense of this unprecedented time where we're hearing daily reports of virus spreading, people dying, businesses closing, stocks falling, unemployment soaring, countries shutting down their borders, travel being limited, people working from home, and governors issuing shelter-at-home orders. What can we learn from Jesus during this time? The Bible text that we just finished reading is even more powerful as we examine the context that it was first spoken. You see, if you read the context and and research it, earlier in the chapter we're told that messengers from Jesus' relative, John the Baptist, had arrived on the scene to ask Jesus some questions. We learn from them that John is in prison. And of course, as we know how the story unfolds, he'll eventually be executed. Now, along with this news that, that the forerunner, John the Baptist, Jesus' relative, is in prison, we're also told that Jesus' ministry and message had been rejected by a number of the towns that he had previously preached. This would have been an easy time for Jesus to be down, to be discouraged, to be disheartened, but instead in verse 25, we're told that Jesus prayed. Now let's learn from Jesus during this confusing time we find ourselves in, and let's make sure that we're reserving times to pray. And as Jesus begins his prayer, he, he doesn't begin with woe is me, but instead he begins with thanks. So again, let's learn from Jesus the importance of always being thankful. Jesus specifically prays, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus acknowledges his Father in heaven, his Lord, his master. That means he's the controller of heaven and earth. Isn't it good to be reminded that even when our world seems turned upside down, that God is still on the throne and that He's ultimately in control? Let's remember, COVID-19 didn't catch God by surprise. He knew it was coming. Now, with that said, I've, I've been asked by a number of people, is the coronavirus a sign of end times? Well, let me address that. First of all, we don't know when Jesus will return. Every generation since the very first generation of Jesus followers have wondered if he would return in their lifetime and if we would see the end of this old earth. Yet Jesus said even he, the son, didn't know. So let's be leery of anyone who tries to make predictions during difficult times like this, realizing every generation has wars, rumors of wars and natural disasters. At the same time, those who do die, whether it be from disease or from anything else during this time, it it is their end of time on earth. It is their appointed time to meet Jesus. So there is a urgency in life, I'm not downplaying that. But I just think it's important that we don't read too much into things like we're going through right now. And yet we need to lean in and learn. And let's take our cues from Jesus. Jesus specifically gives thanks that God has revealed them, revealed him, revealed his teachings to infants. We see that Jesus and his teachings were received by those who were childlike. It was those who were willing to humble themselves that could receive Him. It was to them that Jesus was first revealed. Interesting, this word revealed in the text, in the original language, is the word apocalypse. Now, when I say the word apocalypse, a lot of people think doom and uh, doomsday, end time, despair. But it's interesting, the word apocalypse actually means Revealed. Just as Jesus and his teachings were revealed to those who were humble enough to receive him in his day on earth, so I think Jesus will reveal himself and his Father, our God in heaven, to those who are willing to humbly listen and learn from him today. There's also some life lessons that we can learn through our current crisis. I've been thinking about that. And I've been, I want to just share with you a few observations that I've come to and that I'd like to share with you today. One is that possibly we're not as, a, as much in control of our lives as we previously thought. Secondly, our actions are not as isolated as we thought, but our conduct and the way we handle ourselves has profound impact on others, even throughout the world. Thirdly, possibly as we slow down a little bit, maybe we need to reevaluate what we've been running so fast after and maybe allow this time to help us refocus on the most important things. Fourthly, in this extra time at home, possibly we can rediscover the value of protecting and preserving family time at home. And finally, I think one thing we're going to learn from this crisis is the way that we learn, communicate, and worship will be forever changed as a result of what we're going through right now. As I personally reflect on the Bible verses that we read earlier and look back on my week this past week, like many of you, I've had a whole gamut of emotions during the past seven to 10 days. First of all, there was the anger that March Madness was canceled, okay? I'll just be honest, that's, that's where it started with me. And, and yet, when I reflect on how some of the teams that I cheer for typically are doing this season, maybe that's a blessing, I don't know. But, and then, then there was the denial that our situation was as bad as it is. And then like many of you, the reality that we're living in a social distancing world right now for a while, it's here for us to have to wrestle with. Then there were the adjustments to to working at home, as many of you have had to adjust to working at home. For me, that meant working at home and, and learning to share space during the day with my wife as she went through her day and also a very overactive barking puppy who seemed to bark at every car that drove by or every dog that walked by, right in the middle when I was trying to concentrate. Also as an extrovert, I, I went through a time of being down, I have to be honest, because I wasn't as interacting with as many people as I, as I typically do during a normal week. And by the way, those of you who are introverts, maybe you've been thinking finally the world is the way it should be, okay? But for those of us who are extroverts, this has been a tough week. I know for myself, about halfway through the week I found myself lacking energy, lacking focus, facing discouragement, even maybe having some mild feelings of depression. Maybe you can relate. I've heard from some others that they're struggling with anxiety, concern, worry about the future, even panic in some hearts. And I think in the midst of all that, in the midst of all those feelings and all the angst, we need to hear Jesus say loud and clear this weekend, come to me all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest, rest. Rest of mind, rest of heart. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It's interesting that that word used here in this text is a word that means to find ease or refreshment for our souls. This rest is describing a heartfelt peace that only Jesus can bring into our lives. And I believe Jesus gives us an example of a clear pathway so that we can experience peace, we can experience refreshment and rest for our souls regardless of what we might be facing in our lives, in our world. Practically, how do we experience this rest? How do we experience peace in our hearts and in our minds when all around us people seem frazzled and worried and and maybe even depressed. Let's learn from Jesus. What did He do when He received bad news? He prayed. Let's make sure that we seek God and we seek for God to reveal Himself to us through Jesus and through as we read about Him and His life in the Scriptures. One turning point for me this past week was when I began to spend more time praying for God to intervene in this current crisis, to grant government leaders, to grant doctors, scientists, and researchers the wisdom to know how to address this disease. I I like what Louis Giglio tweeted this week when he said, let's do everything we can, but let's call on heaven to do more than we could ever do. I like that. Let's pray. Let's ask heaven to intervene. And following Jesus' cues, I I began to look for that which, because he began his prayer with thanks, and I began to look for that which I could be thankful. Here's some things that I can be thankful for. Maybe you can list some things you're thankful for. I'm thankful right now that, to my knowledge, my family and I have been spared coming in contact with this disease. And that we live in a time period that leaders from various countries and states can communicate with each other to discern best practices. That we can be alerted to change our lifestyles, to help curb this disease. And that we live in a world that understands that washing your hands can help curb the spread of this disease. And and by the way, it's amazing, that discovery was only found out 175 years ago. So I'm grateful that we live in this time. I'm thankful for that. And although I'm sad that students will most likely not be returning physically to the classroom this year, I'm grateful for visual, uh, virtual platforms that can con- they can continue to learn. By the way, those of you who are parents and you've been homeschooling your kids this week, how's that going? Are you like one late-night comedian who said it felt like it had been three months and his wife reminded him it was only the first week? You know, it, there's some adjustments. There's also some sadness as we realize that, that some of our students, especially the seniors in high school and college, their final year has been disrupted. And yet again, I think even in the midst of that sadness, we can be thankful that online platforms can, can allow them to finish and not put their life on hold and have to repeat their senior year. Personally, I'm truly thankful for the lessons that I've learned this past week about live streaming and online platforms like Zoom so that we can continue to offer classes, meetings, and small groups here at Southwest to help connect with other people. Already, I've had an elder meeting, a staff meeting, uh, a a discipleship group, and I've scheduled a small group this evening uh, that normally meets in our home. We're going to do that all online. I'm grateful for this kind of technology. And in fact, my heart started getting excited. I really started turning the corner because I started thinking of the possibilities and being thankful for the opportunities that we had never even considered to bridge the gap to those that are not yet Jesus followers throughout this region, throughout the world, through technology, to share the good news of Jesus and the hope that He brings. Hopefully, all of us can can pause and, and in prayer give thanks to God for what we have to be thankful for. And maybe for some of us, it's, it's being thankful for the life lessons that we can learn, like slowing down, getting more rest, spending more time with family, and reprioritizing that which is really important. Along with prayer, personally, I've found great encouragement from reading the Psalms this week as I've learned from others in the past who've poured out their hearts to God in prayer. And by the way, those of you who are tired of singing happy birthday twice every time you wash your hands, I want to give you a new recommendation. Try to memorize and recite Psalm 23. It takes about the same time as to wash your ha- uh, sing happy birthday twice. It'll allow you to, to meet those hygiene codes and yet store up God's Word in your heart, you'll find a lot more spiritually unlifting, uplifting than a happy birthday. Another Psalm that speaks to my heart and possibly yours during this time is Psalm 46. Here's how it reads. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, the Lord Almighty, is with us. I like what Max Locato had to say this week. He said, do not interpret the presence of the problems as the absence of God. He has promised, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Yes, let's remember the Lord Almighty is with us. So let's learn from Jesus. Let's pray. Let's lead in prayer with thanks and thanksgiving. What else can we learn from Jesus in this text? Jesus says in verse 29 of Matthew 11, he says, I am gentle. We learned that Jesus was gentle. What does it mean for Jesus to be gentle? Well, an example or a picture is worth a thousand words. So let's take a moment and read an example of gentleness in Jesus' ministry. It's one of my favorites. It's recorded in the Gospel of Luke and it's in chapter seven. We read these words beginning in verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd and they praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. I'm so impressed by the loving, gentle spirit of Jesus that would stop everything that he was doing to gently meet a great need of a widow that he happened to come across. I can picture, can you picture with me Jesus shedding tears for this woman, gently encouraging her not to cry, and then walking over and gently touching the coffin to raise a man from the dead so that the woman would not be alone and desolate. I like what Henry Nouwen had to say about this text. I've been just just reading and devouring the words that now and said in this book entitled Following Jesus, it's been a great inspiration to me. But listen to what he said about this text in, in Luke 7. He says, the great event in Nain is not so important because Jesus performed a miracle. The great event is that Jesus felt the suffering of that woman. As deeply as that woman herself felt it, It was the suffering with this woman in unity that was life-giving and that brought the child back again as a gift to his mother. This is what it means to have compassion. Compassion means to, to suffer with, to feel that suffering with someone else I'm convinced that it was Jesus' compassion that led him to be gentle with those who were hurting. It was in the midst of the current situation that he saw that woman hurting that he, in gentleness, reached out to her and met her need. In the midst of our current challenges in the world that we face, we need more compassion and gentleness. I don't know about you, but for me, during unsettling, difficult times, it's real easy for me, maybe this isn't you, but for me to become very self-focused, to become very self-consumed. And yet, that doesn't lead to the peace and rest that Jesus offers. Instead, the Bible, in the Bible, followers of Jesus are instructed to Do this, in Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. The first turning point for me this past week was spending more time in prayer. A second turning point for me this past week was making the conscious decision to quit focusing on my inconveniences, to quit worrying about the barking dog, to quit being you know stressed about my challenges of going to the ESPN app one more time and finding that there were no games going on, and to quit focusing on those trivial concerns and things that were bothering me and instead turn to look to the needs of others. And although I've not yet got this down, I found relief in beginning to look to the interests of others. As I started reaching out and asking others through email and text, how are you doing? And I found out that there are people who are struggling physically, many from pre-existing conditions already, and fear of being vulnerable maybe compromised physically. I, I reached out and found people that emotionally were struggling with fear, with worry, anxiety. I found out those that are financially concerned because of a recent job loss. And I began to realize my minor inconveniences aren't that big of a deal. And I need to get my thoughts off myself and start being focused on the interests of others. You see, we're called to follow Jesus' example as we're invited into personal relationship with the one who came as one who was humble. He says, I'm humble in heart. As a church, this is a great opportunity for us to not only be aware of needs within the church family, but also to be aware of needs throughout the community. And to ask ourselves, how can we humbly come alongside others to meet those needs? The elders of this church are now currently following up with those who are elderly within the church, those who are especially vulnerable physically during this time. And we're looking for opportunities to meet real needs in their life, whether it be delivering groceries or preparing a meal, running errands, or even helping out someone who suffered financial loss during this time. We're also looking for similar ways to help those in need throughout our community. You know, one thing that filled my heart with joy this week is to learn that one of the mission partners, Kindness Backpacks that we partner with to meet needs in this area, that they had received some free food donations from Shared Harvest. And they needed a place to store those boxes of food. So our cafe here at Southwest is filled with boxes of donated food to be given out to the people in need. And we're going to be organizing a team of people to be getting those, those items out to people that are hurting. And so we want to encourage you to think of how you can volunteer, how you can make a difference. And I want to make an appeal to you. If you know a need in the church or in the community, then please prayerfully consider how can you meet that need. But if that need is, is so big and, and maybe you're not able to meet it, then I want you to reach out to me. I want you to email me. I want you to let me know about that need, and, and I will join with other church leaders, and we're going to explore how we can meet those needs. You know, as this thing continues on for a number of weeks, those needs will begin to grow. And let's be a church that's quick to humbly come alongside others and say, how can we help meet your need? And hopefully, as a result of that, just like the people in the village of Nain, people will say, God has visited his people. Let's take our cue from Jesus, who was humble in heart, and listen to Scripture when we read this. In Philippians 2, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. As a people, we're invited to a relationship with Jesus to find rest. As a church, we're called to follow his example, to love one another as servants, all the time recognizing that Jesus humbled Himself, He emptied Himself, He identified with us by becoming human, and as a servant, He met our greatest need, that need of forgiveness, that need of life. And He met that need by dying on the cross for us. At Southwest, we observe each and every week during our times together in worship, of time of communion, to remember the one who came with gentleness and humility, the one who humbly became a human so that he could live, serve, and eventually die for us. Every week here at Southwest, we, we pass some trays with pieces of bread and with cups filled with juice. And we want to invite you, wherever you're at as you're watching this, to maybe go get a piece of bread, to get a cup of grape juice or wine. And let's not allow our current situation to prevent us from communing with the Lord and communing with each other. And let's realize as we take the bread that the Son of God humbled himself and became a man, took on a human body, and that eventually that body was placed on a cross for you, for me. And as we take the cup, let's realize that Jesus didn't put any limit on his love for us, even at the point of shedding his blood. And as we take this time of communion, let's realize he did that to meet our greatest need of forgiveness. And let's allow ourselves to hear him say, come to me all you are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Let's find rest right now in the one who came, gentle and humble in heart. As we take the bread to remember his body. As we take the cup to remember his blood. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you that you came as a humble servant. Help us find peace and rest in you. Help us follow your example and show us how we can humbly serve others around us in this coming week and the weeks to come. Help our hearts feel with others. And help us continually come back to you to find our rest in you. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus, for dying for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm so glad you joined this time of worship with us. If you'd like to learn more about this Jesus that we've talked about today, we want to invite you this week to a virtual class entitled Starting Point. It's a great way to start your journey, start your relationship with Jesus. We hope you'll just email me, let me know you'd like to participate, and we'll invite you to a Zoom meeting that you can learn more about this Jesus who came so that you could find rest. Think about that as we sing this final song. And let's make sure this week we continually go back to Jesus to find the rest only He can bring. Thank you for joining us.